Let's take out our Bibles right now. I want you to just get them ready, and we're going to just believe the Lord. Uh, today, I just had a thought that came to my heart earlier in the week, and I want to share that thought with you today. Uh, I believe with all my heart that this is a time of year where we are reminded, uh, for the most part, we are reminded of how we need to be thankful. We in this country at this time of year celebrate Thanksgiving, uh, and there is a reason that we do that. It was uh, instituted back in the 1800s that there would be a time of Thanksgiving. We have celebrated it ever since. I am certain it has become somewhat different than what the original intent was, but hopefully we can kind of line up today with the fact that we as believers need to be thankful, not just at this time of the year, but at all the times of the year, at every time of the year, we are to be thankful for all that God has done for us. And today I want to just minister a message entitled, Time to Fill Your Thank Tank. It's time to fill your thank tank. Uh, if any of you own a car, how many of you arrived in a car this morning? A few of you. Some of you might have arrived on public transportation. But some of you, you have a car. You use that car on a regular basis. Uh, you will know uh, that your gas tank is absolutely vital to the operation of that car. Unless, of course, you are, have one of those electric cars. I don't know of very many all-electric cars that are on the market. They're trying to do these hybrids and save on fuel and, you know, not waste as much and the, the emissions from, you know, the whole environmental thing that uh, is, it goes along with that. But most of us drove in, those who drove, drove in a gas-powered car. Now, I'm just curious how many of you uh, allow your gas tank to get down really low before you fill it up. Hey, I'm, my hand is raised, not because I want you to admit it, but because I do that too. I'm just curious, how many of you let it get down to where the light comes on and a sound happens in your car to remind you, yo, you better pull into a gas station right away? Uh, yes, me too. I, notice, though, the majority of those raising their hands for that were all men. It was Bobby, me, Julian, right here. We're raising our hands. Yes, we do that. We do that. The light came on. I, in fact, last Sunday, leaving church, uh, I, I was on the way to church, and I had one of the girls with me, and I, I was sort of running late. I needed to get here and practice with the musicians. And, and so I, the light came on, and the sound happened, and I said, I, got, I know I got enough. I know I got enough to get to church. So I got to church, and then after church, I pulled, literally pulled out on Devon Avenue, and bing, 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 and the light comes on again. I said, but, you know, I don't want to fill up in the city because the city gouges you, right? See, yeah, he knows. The city gouges you, you know, for, for gas, and so I said, no, I got to get out of the city. So I had to get to, you know, across the line into Skokie in order to hit this one gas station, and I made it. And all the while, I'm sitting there, and I'm staring and I've got my, the one daughter with me, and I, I'm staring at the light that's on, and I'm thinking, look, just a little bit further. Come on, you can do it. I have, no, I have no idea how much gas is in the tank at that point, but all I know was I started to pray. 
I said, dear God, please, just let me get to McCormick, McCormick so I can get across there and get to that gas station. And I made it. We allow the tank to get too low. I have also seen times where gas tanks have become contaminated with foreign substances. Things that should not be put in those tanks were put in them. I remember, this was a number of months ago, but I remember pulling into this one gas station to get, ta get gas into, into, in my car uh, after, of course, the light came on and the, the sound went on. And I pulled into this one gas station, and I'm filling up the tank, and I noticed this girl close by. I think we were just, she was on the other side. And she was trying to put the gas nozzle into her uh, gas tank, and it wouldn't fit. And she's, you know, she's looking at the thing and, and wondering, why in the world won't this nozzle fit in the little hole to be able to fill up my gas tank? And she's trying, and she's trying. And I look at it and I realize she's trying to put diesel fuel in her gas-powered car. And so I quickly said to her, you're not going to get that in there. And if you get it in there, believe me, it's not going to make your car run. It's going to make your car stop. And she said, oh, thank you. I said, did any go in there? And I can remember if she said yes or no. I said, you, you got to watch that and make sure that, you know, no diesel fuel gets in that car. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make it stop. Growing up in northern Maine, from time to time, my father had a diesel engine in his, his little Volkswagen Rabbit. He was so proud of this Volkswagen Rabbit because he would go 60 miles and get 60 miles to the gallon in this little car. But in the wintertime in northern Maine, folks, it's like northern Minnesota. It's just, it's brutal. It's so freezing cold. And on occasion, diesel fuel, if it's not mixed with enough kerosene, it will congeal. If it gets too cold, be like a gel and your car doesn't go. That actually happened on one occasion. There are things that can happen inside the tank that can contaminate it and make it so that it's not operating as it should. Today, I'm not talking about gas tanks. I want to talk about your thank tank. And in fact, today, I believe some of you in fact, all of us from time to time allow our thank tanks to get too low. We let them get to the point where the lights begin to come on and a sound is made and usually the sound is some kind of a reaction from somebody else at our improper attitude toward life and toward our surroundings, toward what's going on. But we allow thanksgiving and thankfulness to leave us in favor of just sort of getting by. Brothers and sisters, I believe with all my heart, and I know that the, the whole country right now is focused on thanksgiving. Most everybody is focused on what's going to be made, what's going to be put on the table, and what kind of football game can I watch afterwards. Oh, don't you love thanksgiving? But you know what, I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking about one day. I'm not talking about one day in a, in, in, at the end of November. I'm talking about the thankfulness that should be in our hearts. A lot of us have allowed an empty tank to happen. We have 
it has been emptied out on occasion and maybe you have allowed this to happen where troubles and sorrows have come to your life and it has, it has as it were, siphoned the thankfulness from your life. I once saw my brother-in-law, my late brother-in-law, siphon some gas out of my dad's car one day to, I think he might have run out of gas uh, in his vehicle. He siphoned a little bit out and I, I watched how he did that and Siphoning is not a very fun thing to do, uh, and certainly, especially if you start to, he's got a little bit of gas in his mouth, and he had to spit it out right away and immediately, but as soon as, as that tube started to fill up, and, and that, that suction began to happen, and the gas began to come out, what was happening on the inside of that tank was, it was being emptied out, and a lot of times, troubles and sorrows come our way, and they begin to siphon out the thankfulness in our lives, we we have troubles and difficulties that happen to us and we instead of focusing on the goodness of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God in the midst of all of our trouble, all we're focusing on is the trouble and the difficulty and the sorrow and the pain and the frustration and all of a sudden we begin to realize that we are not thankful the way that we should be. Listen to what the psalmist said. Turn in your Bibles. In fact, I'd like you to see these verses of Scripture. Psalm 116, verses 3 and 4. The Bible says this. Psalm 116, verses 3 and 4. It says this. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. Now here it is. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow, but verse 4 says, then I called on the name of the Lord, O Lord, save me. I was overcome, he says, by trouble and sorrow. Brothers and sisters, I believe with all of my heart that there are times in our lives where we are overcome by trouble and sorrow. Whether it is trouble that has happened to you or even trouble that you've created for yourself. We're good at that, aren't we? We create our own trouble from time to time and as we create our own trouble, all of a sudden there's sorrow that is associated with it. There's pain that comes about in, in the midst of all of that, that we're dealing with. And it, but it might just be trouble from the outside. Things that you can't control and they happen to you. And rather than, you know, we get a lot like the Israelites got. Rather than saying, Lord, we thank you for bringing us through the Red Sea. Now, Lord, you brought us through the Red Sea. You're going to see us all the way through. They didn't do that, did they? They got on the other side of the Red Sea. They said, thank you, Lord, you got us through the Red Sea. They walked about two days into the desert and realized there's no water. What would you do, bring us out here in the desert to kill us? I mean, come on, Moses. What were you thinking? Moses, we had it better in Egypt. You know, what happens is, is our troubles and our sorrows begin to happen to us. And all of a sudden we forget that God is still worthy to be thanked. He is worthy to be worshipped. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy for us to say that, Lord, in spite of what I'm going through, you are still worthy to receive all the thanksgiving that I can give to you today, oh God. Listen, you might have walked into this building and you've got trouble and you've got sorrow. And 
and you've got pain and you've got frustration in your life, but you need to know that is no reason for your thank tank to get emptied out. It's no reason for that thank tank to get siphoned. If there's somebody on the other end of that that siphoning tube, you need to swat them away and say, get away from my thank tank. I'm going to be thankful to the Lord in spite of what I'm going through. Somebody say, that shouldn't happen to you. You're a Christian. Isn't everything supposed to go perfectly? Well, you can easily quote the scripture that Jesus said to his disciples, the the words that Jesus said to his disciples, in this life you're going to have affliction. He didn't promise that it was not that it was just all going to be perfect. And, you know, when you lay down at night, you're always going to sleep that, you know, 8.2 hours that you need or whatever it is. And that when you go to your job, you're always going to get your projects done on time. And your boss is going to be so happy with you all the time. They're just going to continually, you know, just try to somehow find a way to give you a raise. And that, you know, when you do a good job at work, you come home and your family is sitting quietly at the table or they're, you know, they're reading and they're peaceful and the kids aren't fighting and, you know, there's no trouble that way. And, you know, you just kind of come home and they say, here, how can we help you? Can I get your slippers for you? Uh, Seriously. I'm just curious. That way for anybody? I didn't think so. Nobody, not even the pastor's house. Oh, for those who, never mind. You don't need to know. No, listen, folks, I got to tell you, life doesn't happen that way. It's not perfect for you all the time. Troubles and sorrows come, and every now and then somebody will come along the way, and they'll try to make you think that somehow it should be different for you because you're a believer, and at that moment you can swat them away and say, get away from my thank tank. You're siphoning it. You're emptying it out. I'm still going to thank the Lord in spite of what I'm going through today. Now, our thank tank gets emptied out by broken dreams and broken hearts. The book of Proverbs says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. There is no pain like emotional pain. Some of you you know how to deal with physical pain. You know how to deal with the, the pain of life, the pain of your body. But all of a sudden, let somebody hit your heart with something. Let somebody come along and and bruise you and wound you on the inside. And all of a sudden, you might be able to sit here and thank God. Sister Vicki, I know, walked in here today. She said, it's been a rough week. I've been in pain. She's in pain. I know it. I, I, I know her. I know for years we've known them. And we know that she struggles with pain on a consistent basis, physical pain. And yet I know that when she walked in, she was telling me she, she had a rough week. But you know what? She was doing it with a smile on her face. I don't think you knew it. She had a smile on her face telling me. See, because you're able to overcome some of those physical pains, but all of a sudden somebody comes along and they bruise your heart. They wound your heart. Something happens on the inside, and and all of a sudden now the thankfulness is gone. You're not thankful for anything. You're just wondering how you're going to make it through the next day and make it through that emotional struggle and that emotional pain and how it is that you're going to claw your way out of bed the next day because you just can't think of going another day having to deal 
deal with the mess that somehow life has handed to you. Maybe it is you were disappointed because you thought something was going to work out and it didn't work out the way that you had planned, the way that you had thought. And somewhere along the way, your thank tank has begun to get emptied out. You're not thankful anymore because of the emotional struggle, because of the broken heart, the broken dreams, and all of that. Can I tell you, it's time to fill up your thank tank in spite of the brokenness because the Bible lets us know that He will not despise a broken heart. i got to tell you, brothers and sisters, we believe, and I believe with all my heart, that God has more for this congregation. I'm just going to share my heart for a minute. That God has more than what we experience. Spiritually and numerically. That God has more. Why did he put this building on Irving, or, or on Devon? I, I'm still on Irving Park Road, believe it or not. After all these years. Why did God put this building here? Why did he put us here? For us to just kind of create this tiny little club? For us to be here? No, God has bigger things in store. He has better things in store. But you know what? We have to believe it. We have to get past the mentality that says, we stay the way we are, we're all right. No, we're not. If your child doesn't grow past three feet, five inches, you look at that child, you say, there's something wrong. Now, if your 25-year-old is not growing past, you know, six foot three anymore, don't worry. But we also know that there, are, there is a process of growth that has to happen up to a certain age. And that process of growth, if, if something's not happening in that child, then you realize there is something wrong with this, this child. So we've got to find out what's going on that's stopping the growth. Brothers and sisters, sometimes it's our mentality that stops the growth. We think we're all right. Folks, we've got to keep fighting. We've got to keep pushing. We've got to keep inviting people. We've got to keep touching people's lives. And don't let the broken hearts of our own lives take away the thankfulness and, and get us to a place where the broken dreams just get in the way of our effectiveness. Folks, I have a dream for this place. I have a dream that people will be lined up around the corner. That, that we'll have to have more meetings in a day. No, we won't be able to rent to another church because we'll still have to have meetings because we can't fit people in. You say, how is that going to happen? It can only happen by prayer, by, by, by prayer and, and seeking God with all of our hearts and then going out and, and reaching people, touching people, ministering to people. It doesn't happen just you know, from the pulpit. It has to happen from all of us. But broken dreams can often steal your thanksgiving, your thankfulness, the wounded heart. It's difficult to overcome and say, Lord, in spite of it all, I'm going to thank you. That's why I believe today that what we need to do is we need to just say, Lord, you need to help me to fill my thank tank once again to get that thanksgiving into my spirit again. I've been a complainer. I've, I've been, or at least it's just been emptied out. I haven't complained. I, I can't even voice a complaint because it, it hurts too much on the inside. My dreams have been broken and somewhere along the way, I just, on a, on a weekly basis, I get frustrated by the brokenness and the, by, the, by the broken dreams and the broken heart and all of that. And instead of thanking God for His goodness and His grace, Instead, I just kind of sit around and wonder when it's going to change. I believe that change 
can be fostered by praise, by worship, and by thanksgiving. If we're not praising, if we're not thanking God, in spite of what we're going through, then we are going to stay in the same pit as what we might find ourselves at the moment. We will stay there and we will not get out. You cannot get out of those broken situations and those broken dreams without beginning to say, in spite of what I deal with today, Lord, I'm going to thank you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to honor you. Why? Because he's worthy of it. It doesn't matter what you're going through. He is still worthy of praise. Some of you might suffer from an empty thank tank. But some of you might suffer from a contaminated tank. A contaminated thank tank in many ways is worse than an empty one. Both are bad because they don't take you anywhere in God. They can't produce for you a life that is pleasing to God. They can't produce for you any kind of change in the situation. They can't do anything for you. But a contaminated thank tank is something quite dangerous. How does it get contaminated? Well, there are some ways that it happens. One is by self-promotion. I want you to turn over to Luke chapter 18. We'll get there in a moment. But self-promotion can contaminate your thank tank. I'm not talking about going in to a job and telling that company exactly what you can do for them and promoting yourself. That has nothing to do with it. I, I, you know, the more you understand the way the world works, the more you have to realize you have to go in and make them understand that you are the very best person they could hire. This has nothing to do with that. This has to do with in the kingdom of God and within an economy and a kingdom economy that has humility in place of pride, that the meek inherit the earth, not the prideful. That it is those who are humble before the Lord who actually can receive from God great things and do great things for God. Not those who are always in self-promotion. You remember the story about the Pharisee and the sinner going to the temple to pray. The Pharisee, and this, this, as I read this passage this week, it just jumped off the page. I honestly had never ever seen it in this light before. The Pharisee, the religious man, remember the story of the religious man, the Pharisee and the tax collector, Jesus told his disciples that they went up to the temple to pray. In fact, let's just, let me read verse 18. And let me read what this Pharisee says. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. Now, a lot of times we pray about ourselves. Lord, help me. Touch me, minister to me. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. Listen to the content of this Pharisee's prayer. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Now, Jesus had placed in the story a tax collector... And it seems the tax collector must have been close enough to this Pharisee that this Pharisee is praying, Lord, I'm thankful that I'm not like robbers, adulterers, evildoers, and Lord, like this tax collector. And it occurred to me 
that the Pharisee was thankful. He says, Lord, I thank you. He was a thankful Pharisee. But it was the wrong kind of thankfulness. It was the thankfulness of self-promotion. He wasn't thanking God in in a manner that would get God's attention. He wasn't thanking God for anything of value. He was thanking God that he had a better than thou, holier than thou kind of attitude. He was thanking God that he was just one of those guys who on the outside had it all together, looked like they had it all together. But Jesus spoke out against these men in Matthew chapter 23 and said, you know what? You were a bunch of tombs on the inside. You're washed and painted on the outside. You've got your garments, your religious garments. But on the inside, it's decay. It's death. There's nothing good on the inside. This guy was standing there literally promoting himself to God. That's the wrong kind of thankfulness, folks. What God requires of each and every one of us is humility. Self-promotion is going to contaminate your thank tank. It's not the right kind of substance to put in. Now, I know I've said it. You've said it. We've all said it from time to time. We looked at individuals. We said there, you know, but for the grace of God, go I. And I'm not even talking about that that's a negative thing or that that's a bad thing. But from time to time, we can look down our noses on somebody else and we can say, well, thank God I'm not like them. Listen, brothers and sisters, that could be you. We should approach them with the same kind of humility and the same kind of attitude that somebody approached you one day when you were down in the muck and the mire of sin. We should never, ever look down on somebody else. You can sit there and you can pray. Now, God, you know, touch that individual. Help them understand what it is that you have for them. I know all the while, you know, what? all you're doing is you're promoting yourself in that kind of prayer. You know what it's going to do? It's going to contaminate your thank tank. It's not going to let you be as thankful as you should be because you're focusing on yourself and you're focusing on the fact that somehow your ability to pray for somebody else to come up to the level that you think they're supposed to be at in your prayer and in, you know, in their lives that, that as you pray for them that somehow they're going to reach the potential that they should have. Brothers and sisters, there isn't anybody in this room who has reached the potential that all of us, I believe, have in the kingdom of God and that includes yours truly. We got to look at ourselves in the light of who he is, not in the light of who somebody else across the aisle is or even who I think I am. Brothers and sisters, begin to look at yourself in the mirror of the cross of Jesus Christ so that we can be thankful for what he has done for us and how he has pulled us out of sin. Self-promotion will contaminate your thank tank. Not only that, it can be contaminated by self-preservation. Rather than allowing God to deal with your stuff, your situations, your bad times of life, the troubles and the sorrows that we spoke about that emptied the thank tank, all of a sudden now we begin to, instead of putting the right kind of stuff in that tank, the thankfulness, the praise, and the worship, we begin to pour in some resentment. We pour in bitterness and 
that is a form of self-preservation. All bitterness and resentment and anger, all of that, all that is is saying, God, I'm going to handle things myself. And I'm going to do it the fleshly way. I'm going to do it my way. And you know what, God? I don't, the whole humility, meekness thing, Lord, I'll get that. Because you know what? I don't want to be a, you know, just a doormat for somebody to walk on. Look, meekness, folks, is not weakness. When you are meek in the kingdom of God, you have a greater power in you in that moment to be able to defeat the enemy and defeat the, 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 the difficulties that often come our way. When we're meek and when we're humble, we, can, we don't allow things to get into the thank tank that contaminate it, like bitterness or resentment. You harbor bitterness and, and resentment towards somebody in your life, and what can happen is, is that is a form of just holding on to the way that you want things to go. And, well, you know, you don't see God stepping in, changing it the way that you, you see it should be changed. So you know what? I'm just going to be mad. I'm going to be bitter. I'm going to be angry. And you're going to go home, and you're just going to be mad and bitter and angry. You go to work. You're mad. You're bitter. You're angry. And nothing changes. But, boy, you sure are hanging on and holding on. Oh, no, no, no. It's time to get the junk out of the thank tank. It's time to get it cleaned out. There's only one who can clean it out. If I got some stuff in my gas tank, I would not have the ability to clean it out. I have to take it to the expert. I have to take it to somebody who knows exactly what to do and how to clean that gas tank and the fuel system of the car in order for that car to run effectively and efficiently as it's supposed to and get me from point A to point B. You can't do it by yourself. That's why we got to call on the name of the Lord. The psalmist said it, and we read it earlier, that he cried out to the Lord, save me. And the Lord, brothers and sisters, saved him. There is only one way to clean out a contaminated thank tank, and it is through coming to Christ and saying, Lord, I need your help today to clean out the junk that I've allowed on the inside. Maybe you've allowed sin. Sin is going to contaminate that, the thank tank. You've allowed things to get in that shouldn't be in there, and it's contaminated your thankfulness and your ability to worship and praise, not just in church. This is where it's easy. When Bethany's playing and Julian's on the drums, and we've got Mervin up on the guitar, and the music's going, and we've got people praying praising or worshiping, that's the easy time. I'm talking about when you get home today. I'm talking about tomorrow when you wake up and, and life is difficult and problems are happening and the tendency is, is let me just put this bubble around myself, preserve myself through my walls of bitterness and resentment and anger. No, no. Time to let down the walls. Clean out the contamination and let the thankfulness and thanksgiving flow. Oh, brothers and sisters. God wants us to be thankful more than this country focuses on one day a year. Oh, no. God, we, we are to be thankful at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. David said I, his praise will continually be in my mouth. That's a tall order, folks. But I believe that we can do that. Remember the story of the ten lepers? They were all healed. But only one came back to give thanks. I don't know why the other nine 
didn't come back. Now, Jesus had just told them. He had told them, go show yourselves to the priests. And the Bible says as they were on their way, as they were going, they recognized that their leprosy was cleansed and was healed. Their skin cleared up. The flesh on their bodies all of a sudden was not rotting away anymore. It, was, it, was, it became new. And nine, nine lepers kept on walking. And the Bible says that one who was a Samaritan, not even of the house of Israel, recognized he had been healed, turned around and came back. I don't know if those men thought that if they did not complete what Jesus told them to do, the indication might be that these were all nine Jewish men who believed the law was over and more important than anything else. Jesus told them to do what the law told a leper to do. They're on their way, but there was a Samaritan who said, but I've just been healed. i got to go back and i got to thank the guy. I don't know if it was an act of self-preservation by the nine, but Jesus said, I'm glad you're here, but where are the other guys? Where are the other nine? Where are the other ten? What are they doing? Brothers and sisters, when God does something wonderful for you, i got to tell you, don't allow anything to get in that causes you to say, I'm just going to create this self-preserving kind of bubble. If God's done something for you, then we need to reach out to those who are hurting, those who are lost, and begin to get our thankfulness on. We need to minister to those who are in need and reach out to the world that we are living in, brothers and sisters, and let them know we are truly thankful. We're thankful enough. We're going to tell them what Jesus has done for us. We're going to tell them that He rescued us from sin. We're going to tell them our story and tell them why because we're thankful no more contaminated think tanks so all of us I believe today can and must have a full think tank so how are we going to do that well I believe it starts with a proper relationship it starts with a proper relationship with God through Jesus Christ And he then becomes the object of our thanksgiving. You cannot be truly thankful to God for anything until you come to him through Jesus Christ. It starts with a right relationship with God. You say, Pastor, you're really seriously preaching to people who are saved today. I don't know that. You show up each and every week, but I I don't know that each and every one under the sound of my voice this morning has given their all to Jesus Christ. So to really be thankful, it doesn't just happen by by reorienting your attitude. It starts with a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I realize today that Jesus is offensive to many in the world. And yet Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I was watching a program the other night uh, about some Amish kids who on their 16th birthday, I forget what it's called. My wife is up on the Amish. She, she loves all the Amish books, things like that. But it, they, they go out on this, this you know, kind of whirlwind tour of going and seeing what the world is like, you know, doing all the things the Amish don't. And they went into a mosque. These, these kids went into a mosque, and then they were speaking with, my, I assume, who I assume was the imam afterwards. 
And he was saying, yes, we, we believe that Jesus did not die on the cross. We believe that Jesus uh, was, was a prophet, but that he did not die on the cross. He was not the Son of God. And I began to think to myself, it, on the, you know, in the world today, there are people who say, I, I only want to believe in this Jesus that I fashion in my mind. And that's essentially what Islam has done with Jesus. They have reshaped what Jesus, how he is described in the Bible, and how Jesus testifies of himself. You cannot say that Jesus was a good prophet if Jesus has told a lie. If Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father but through me, you cannot call him a good prophet. He is a false prophet then. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is becoming less and less popular in the day that we are living in. But I believe, brothers and sisters, he is the only hope that our world has. He is the only hope that we as a nation have. We've got to have a proper relationship with him. A proper relationship with him and with others will help us to have thankful hearts. Listen to what the Bible says. 1 Timothy chapter 2 says this. It says, I urge then... First of all, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, Paul writes to Timothy and says, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, and intercession and thanksgiving be made for whom? Everyone. Ah, oh, really? Everyone, Paul? You know, how about my friends? Be thankful for my friends. Love my friends. My family, thankful for my family. But that cantankerous boss who's just always getting under my skin, who doesn't like me but somehow still employs me. Ah, really, thanksgiving for them? And not only that, Paul says, not only thanksgiving, how about requests, prayers, intercession? Maybe what you need to do is begin to intercede. Lord, save my boss. Bring salvation to his or her life. Save them, but Lord, thank you. You know why? Because the Bible says in Proverbs, iron sharpens iron. If you're not around iron, you're not going to get sharpened very well. If you're not around those who sort of grate against you, if you're not around those who from time to time sort of teach you to have patience, even though the thing you really want to do is just let them have it, then how are you ever going to get sharp yourself? It's not going to happen. So, we've got to have a proper relationship that will give proper way to thanks for all that He has done and has given to us. He's done great things. Now, we need proper remembrance. And with this, I'm going to close with these few things. We need proper remembrance of His love. To have a full thank tank, you've got to have proper remembrance of His love. Listen, you don't need to turn there, but listen to what 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 21, and there, we could find any number of, of the Psalms that would have this phrase in it. The Bible says this about Jehoshaphat. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord. Why? For His love endures forever. 
Give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. The, you might have walked in today, you say, I can't find a whole lot to be thankful for, but you've got to remember this, that the love of God endures forever. Just curious, don't raise your hand. How many of you have ever had your heart broken by somebody that you believed love you? Don't raise your hand. I, I, this is not a, you know, coming to truth kind of moment. This is just simply for you to understand that though we are as human beings fleeting in our emotions, though those emotions come and go, Maybe you invested your life into somebody you thought they were, they were the one. They were the, as we used to say in Bible college, they were the will. Everybody's concerned about the will in Bible college. They were the will. All of a sudden, they willed not to be the will. They decided to be willed to somebody else. I don't, I don't know. There was this, this attitude and... and there was this, you know, this love that was there in the beginning, but all of a sudden something happened. The love wasn't there anymore, but the Bible says about the love of God that it is a, it is a love that endures forever. I love that word endures just because love does have to from time to time endure. There is no marriage that is perfect, or, nor does that marriage ever just always only have good times and good things that happen. There are struggles, there are difficulties, there are problems that occur in life, but love endures forever. His love, brothers and sisters, endures forever. You might not have been able to trust in the love of a, of a friend or somebody who is close to you or somebody that you believe was going to be your mate, but i got to tell you that the love of God will always endure forever. You've got to remember to have a thank tank that's full. You've got to remember that His love endures forever. We not only have to remember and have proper remembrance of His love, but also proper remembrance of His righteousness. Remember His righteousness. We should thank Him for His righteousness, not our own. Remember that the Pharisee that we just read about in Luke chapter 18, he was thanking God for his own righteousness. The Bible says that your righteousness is as filthy rags before him. There isn't anything that you can do that will impress God. The Bible says this in Psalm 7 and verse 17. Go ahead and turn there if you're close by the Psalms. Psalm 7 and verse 17. It says this, I will give thanks to the Lord because of His righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. We've got to remember His righteousness. You and I are imperfect. You and I from time to time fail, but God will never fail. The other thing that's wonderful about remembering His righteousness is He wants to clothe us in His righteousness. So it isn't that we somehow have to find the ability and the strength to live right before Him and be in right relationship, but instead it is His power that brings us into that right relationship and He clothes us with His righteousness. We've got to remember his salvation. If you ever run out of things to be thankful for, just remember the mess he brought you out of. Remember that he brought you out of sin. Say, well, pastor, you know, I don't have a testimony like so-and-so, and I don't have this. i got to tell you, I, I, 
I, I have, you know, I could tell a few things that I've done, but you don't need to know the horror stories or you don't need to know the, you know, the, some of the details. But there are things I look back in my life that I saw that even in sin, God kept me from. God kept me from a taste for alcohol in my life. God kept me from a taste for, for any kind of drugs in my life. I tried it, but he kept me from it. I tried it once or twice. And I realized, man, this ain't for me. I want to be in control of me. But there are other things I got involved in that God had to pull me out. He had to pull me out of sin. Listen, brothers and sisters, when it all comes down to it, it's not about drugs and alcohol. It's about sin. And the Bible lets us know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So no matter what your story is, we have all come out of sin. We need to remember His salvation, that He saved us from sin. The Bible says, I give thanks or will give thanks, give you thanks, for you have answered me. You have become my salvation. He's our salvation, folks. If you run out of stuff to be thankful for, just thank Him for saving you from sin. I'm going to close with this. Remember who He is. You're going to remember who He is. Let me just read a few select verses for you from Psalm 136. Verses 1, 2, and 3, and then verse 26. It says this, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. And then it says His love endures forever. Verse 2, give thanks to the Lord, to the God of gods. That is, He is above all that are called a God in this world. He is the God, the only God, the true God. So we can thank Him and give thanks to the Lord because He is the one true God that we trust in. His love endures forever. Verse 3, give thanks to the Lord of lords. He is over all who are called a Lord. We don't understand this very well. But for all of those who, who aspire to be in power of some kind, and, and whether it's politics or whether it's in business or whether, whatever it might be, those who aspire to be great and to be powerful, they got to remember, hopefully they will, but many don't, that He is the Lord of lords. He's over all of them. Psalm 136 and verse 26 says, Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. He is the God of heaven. That is, not only is He the Creator that created it all, but He is big enough. His expanse is big enough. He goes on forever and ever that He is over everything that we see around us. He is over it all. And that is the God that we are to be thankful for. We need to be thankful today for His nature. That He is good, that He is loving, that He is merciful, that He is gracious, that He is righteous. We need to be thankful for all of those things because those are all things that you and I can possess. But we also need to be thankful for His attributes, the ones that we can't possess. His omnipotence, that is, He is all-powerful. We need to be thankful for His omniscience, that is, He knows everything. 
He knows all there is to know. He, we need to be thankful for His omnipresence. That is, He is everywhere present. We can't possess those things. That is for God and God alone, and He has all of those things, and that is the God that we need to be thankful for. That in spite of how weak you feel, that you serve an all-powerful God. That in spite of the fact that you can't make sense out of your problems and difficulties, and you try to figure it out, and you don't know how to make heads or tails out of it all, the fact that He is omniscient, He knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning. And the fact that He is everywhere present, that no matter where you are in the world, whatever you're doing, that He is right there and you can call upon Him. We need to be thankful today. There is, I believe, no reason for us to have an empty or a contaminated thank tank. We have every scriptural reason to have grateful hearts today. We have every scriptural reason to have grateful hearts for all that He is, all that He has done. Brothers and sisters, you and I, I believe with all my heart, we need to come to the place where we say, Lord, I am going to trust in You. I'm going to believe in You. I'm going to hope in You. But Lord, I more than anything else, I'm going to thank You. Thank You for all that You've done. Thank You, Lord, for how You changed my life. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in my life. Some of you say, well, I look in the mirror some days and I think, man, I'm, I'm not a very good Christian. Can I make a confession to you as your pastor? I do the same thing. There are times I look in the mirror and say, Lord, I failed you so miserably. But you know what, brothers and sisters, in spite of that, the Bible says that his love endures forever. I wonder today if we could just all stand together right now and I want us from the bottom of our hearts to begin to thank God. And I once had a, I had a professor, pastor, professor and, and pastor in Bible college, still pastors up in New England. He once said, you know, when we praise God and thank God, we need to thank Him for things. Thank Him for what He's done. Thank Him for something that is tangible because when we do that, we begin to connect God to every facet of our lives. And I believe with all my heart that when we thank God, we, we connect Him to every area of our lives, every facet of our lives, that maybe it is that we don't, we don't see that God is there, but when we begin to thank Him and praise Him for all that He's done, we can realize that He's present in our situation as the musicians come right now, we're going to sing that chorus in closing today. Give thanks. I want us just to lift our voices right now. Before we sing, before we do anything else, I want you to begin to thank God. Thank God right now for everything that He's done. All the things in your life. You can look back on and you can say, Lord, I can thank You. Thank You for keeping me from stuff. Thank You, Lord, for saving me and delivering me. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have done in my life. Let's just give him thanks right now. Just open your mouths and begin to thank the Lord. Hallelujah.